Warning, the following podcast contains foul language, sexual themes, and all sorts of other fun stuff. Listener discretion is advised. As always, an ocean of thanks to my awesome family for all the incomparable love and support. Uh, Family, you are now demoted from being allowed to support. You need to be critical and, dare I say it, shame. Shame her little bit more my talented and hot publicist elizabeth ulberg who by by the inclusion of hot here i'm leaning even more into my theory from book one that stephanie meyer is a very closeted homosexual individual uh for creating stephanie meyer out of the raw clay that was once just a mousy steph the whole team at Little Brown Books for young readers, for five years of enthusiasm, faith, support, and incredibly hard work, that entire publishing company needs to be fired. Just decimated. Take everyone out, burn the building to the ground, start again. Okay, okay, I hear you. All the amazing site creators and administrators in the Twilight Saga online fandom you people astound me with your coolness. Okay, you know what? That's fine, because fandoms are fucking weird, so <laughs> I'll accept that. My brilliant, beautiful fans with your unparalleled good taste in books. I don't are think you, you get to say that, Stephanie are you Meyer. sure? Is that something that you are qualified to decide? Uh, do, are you calling your books, your own books, good books? Um... Their unparalleled good taste in books, music, and movies, and for continuing to love me more than I deserve. And that part at least is true. <laughs> the bookstores who have made this series a hit with their recommendations. All authors are indebted to you for your love and passion for literature. I mean, they're I, selling them because they have to. I'm like, they... As someone who was working in a bookstore when the 10th anniversary book came out, (laughs) um, I sold that book to, like, hundreds of people because it was part of my job. Yeah, they're they're doing their job. Yeah. (laughs) The many bands and musicians that keep me motivated. Did I mention Muse already? I did? Too bad. Muse? 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 I like Muse. I like Muse a lot. I don't think Muse deserves to exist anymore. (laughs) No more Muse. Got it. New gratitude to the best band that never was, Nick and the Gens, featuring Sally C., Nicole Driggs, Jennifer Hancock, Jennifer Longman, and Shelly Colvin. I guess we should just be thankful that that band never actually was. Yeah, if they were inspiring to her, I don't really, uh, I don't really want to hear their discography. Thanks for taking me under your collective wing, guys. I would be a shut-in without you. I don't know what that means, but I'm just disappointed that they took her in at this point. My long-distance pals and fonts of sanity, cool Megan Hibbett and Kimberly. Shazer Suchi. They need new friends. They do. My peer support, Shannon Hale, for understanding everything 
and for feeding my love of zombie humor. I don't even know what to say to that one. Okay. <laughs> Joel Lewis for the use of her name and her mother, Heather, for her support of the Arizona Ballet. Okay. This is getting weirder as we okay. go. Unless well, related to the book. It's okay. I don't know. Is she like just thanking everybody who has ever helped her with anything? I don't know. Like, thank you to this gentleman who walked me down a flight of stairs when I twisted my ankle. Thank you to my waiter, Samantha, from TGI Fridays uh, <laughs> last Saturday night. Uh, I really enjoyed the Virgin Macarena. Macarena? I just, I, I don't Alcoholic beverages. Okay, it's like you mixed daiquiri and <laughs> like margarita. That's what happened. Macarena sounds great, and the macarena. Not to mention, um, that that's. Oh yeah, the new guys on my writing inspiration playlist: Interpol, Motion City soundtrack, and Spoon. Spoon. They could be wonderful. Okay. That's it. When I when I get published, butthole surfers are going in my acknowledgments page, <laughs> not because any of their music is on my playlists, but just because I want to have butthole surfers in my acknowledgments. Special thanks to my musical inspirations: Eiffel sixty five, the Blue Man Group, and Chumbawamba. <laughs> So, uh, everybody on that list is getting fired or deserves to resign from something. I don't care what it is, except for the fandom, because we already expect the least out of you humanly possible. I know I could be wrong on the timeline here, but I think in the last book, which I have Eclipse on hand right now, so I'll turn to the acknowledgments. Um, but she, at some point, she mentioned... Um, My Chemical Romance, but then they were offered the chance to write a song for one of the movies, and they literally told, like, Stephanie Meyer and them to go fuck themselves, and later wrote the song uh, Vampire Money about how they would never fucking write a movie for, uh, a song for one of these stupid fucking vampire movies, Um, and... I haven't seen My Chemical Romance in one of these books in a while. That's fucking beautiful. Here's some other... We didn't read the acknowledgments of Eclipse, but I do want to just read the musical inspiration from Eclipse. Okay, Go, Gomez, Placebo, Blue October, and Jack's Mannequin. So all of you are canceled. Because you were mentioned in the acknowledgments of Stephanie Meyer's Eclipse. I'm sorry, Blue October. I know. <laughs> now, your time to go into the ocean and end it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is Quit Your Job Part 3. Um, <laughs> welcome to the breakdown of Breaking Dawn Part 2, in which we just have our own breakdown while we break down... This absolute fucking breakdown. Break! I'm Emmy. I'm Sarah. Um, what year is it? 
it is 2021 and you're actually moth you're right <laughs> i need you to begin introducing yourself properly as moth no my <laughs> name is sarah and Were you about I... to say my legal name is sarah <laughs> i was gonna say my legal name is sarah because that is true <laughs> And you're like, wait, that's not Emmy. Emmy's not giving her legal yeah, name. Yeah, Emmy, you don't give your legal name. Which, by the way, sometimes randomly when we're talking, and I have been calling you Emmy for over a year now, I will occasionally randomly almost, like, call you by your dead name. And I'm like, where did that come from? Over a year? It's been two. <laughs> 2020 doesn't count. I was making this post the other day. I was making this post the uh, yesterday on Facebook about the anniversary of something that happened in my life. And it happened in the year 2012. And I had the fucking audacity to write, it's been eight years since this thing happened. And I was like, God damn it. It's been nine years. But the last year hasn't existed in my brain. Anyway, two years of my life. <laughs> yeah, two years of my life I've been calling you Emmy. And sometimes when we're talking, I'll just want to, like, tell you to shut up. You know, insert. Dead name. <laughs> insert dead name here. And it's not because, you know. It's those it's, moments I'm a when bigot. I get a. I'm a transphobe. It's those moments I get a little bit too close <laughs> to my old personality. Yeah. <laughs> You did change a lot when you came out as being trans. So, you know, sometimes... Yeah, you never, <laughs> sometimes... never want to understand. There's two individuals. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sometimes you just slip back into those old habits. And I, I think about, you know, when we were painting chairs and you were trying to condescend me about Halo. and uh... <laughs> You don't understand the Master Chief, okay? I don't understand the Master Chief. Three, two, one, we came to fuck. Everybody party till the gas man comes. Sparkle like Bowie in the morning sun and get a parking violation on La Brea till it's done. Are you, are you reading Vampire Money? I'm reading Money Vampire Money. I'm, re I'm reading Vampire Money. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> they, they keep talking about sparkling. Uh, That kid don't care if you're all right, honey. Pills don't help, but it sure is funny. Give me, give me some of that vampire money. Come on. Ah, fuck yeah. And then they keep talking about sparkling. Give me, give me some of that vampire money. Imagine being in that position of power. Yes. That somebody that creates some piece of media that you just despise comes to you and it's like i want you to help with it and you not only get to tell them to go fuck themselves but then go create media media of your own mocking that thing oh yeah for sure gerard way knew what the fuck he was doing when he was like i do not need you and your stupid fucking vampire money he was, uh, granted, Gerard Way is one of the most, like, upstanding and, like, aggressively good people it, from the emo music scene. You know, I mean, he always, he was talked all the time about, like, equal rights and, you know, how women were constantly objectified in, the, like, the more, like, rock and punk scene. So, like, we love Gerard Way. And I'm glad that he didn't want the vampire money known a lot of incel emos yeah oh yeah and there's been a lot of like emo front man front men who have like been found out to be 
fucking rapists and pedophiles over the past few years. I was about to say pedophiles. Like, there's so many fucking pedophiles. Weird. There's so many fucking pedophiles. But I'm glad that My Chemical Romance was made up of four very emo, but altogether normal dudes. <laughs> Guys, we just like black clothes. Well, they're all just like married with children. And like... <laughs> But <laughs> it's it's like Green Day. It is. Oh it's, yeah, for sure, Green Day too. They're just like, yeah, we're we're punk rock. Uh, yeah, I still wear eyeliner, and all of us have huge bisexual energy. But uh, yeah, I'm just married and have my kids over here. Yeah, right. <laughs> Turns out you can be anti-establishment, but also like not be a fucking psychopath. Crazy. Crazy thought. Do you want to talk about this movie instead of talking about emo bands? Have you ever orgasmed at the (laughs) thought of being thirsty? What are you talking about? Because Bella does. Oh my god. (sighs) Well, go on. The beginning of this movie. Bella wakes up and it's just her seeing things in 4K HDR. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, the, <laughs> and her and Ed touching each other, and he's like, "You must be thirsty." And as if she just realizes she's thirsty, she backs away. Her eyes go wide, and she goes, "Oh." <gasps> <laughs> no, and then, stop. Like, and her like her neck like she like stretches her neck out like she's like yeah she literally makes a whole ass sex noise it's fucking weird Uh, when you know you skipped over the most important note that i have which is in the opening shots of this movie there was an owl there was an owl uh (laughs) it was coming for your grandparents yes it was coming to take my grandparents um like you, we both saw it when we were watching the yeah. movie. My first, and I just, and you were like, "There's an owl," and I was like, "Yeah, it's it's there to let you know it's waiting." Yeah, of course, an owl in any piece of media is just a reminder that it's coming for my grandparents, or it already has my grandparents. See, what I didn't tell you was that I didn't actually see the owl. That was just you. <laughs> it's just the image implanted in your mind of the owl. That like, there's a there's you know a chance anytime I look at anything that I might just see an owl there. It's what they do to you. They fuck with your head, man. Yeah. With your head. Really unfortunate. Um, So Bella, when they're hunting, is like, like she goes to like attack the fucking cougar or whatever. No, she goes to kill it. It's when she already has it pinned down and she's getting ready to kill it. it. She just goes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It's great. And everything about the beginning of this movie is just bad. I was, like, it's, hyperventilating because I didn't want to have to watch it. We, I, I didn't stop laughing for, like, the first 20 minutes of this movie. Because it was, it was just bad special effect followed by really weird director decisions. Yeah. Followed by more bad special effects. The running scene of them running through the forest... In the previous movies, they were pretty good about doing just quick shots of them running most of the time, except for the first movie. Mm -hmm. But they did some long shots of it this time, 
and it looks like utter garbage. I don't know what happened between Eclipse and this movie, but like the scene where they were running through the woods, like you remember the one on the side, like with the creek in the middle and there's the wolves on one side and the vampires on the other. That scene was so good. And they did, they made a different choice this time for some reason. Yeah. I have no idea why they went down a different path for the effects in this movie, but it was just like so bad. Yeah, the she wasn't, wasn't in stiletto heels either. this time. She was not. She was barefoot. Which and is better. I remember from when I read the trivia, apparently they were like, oh, don't worry. Kristen Stewart wasn't actually running barefoot, barefoot through the woods. They had her running barefoot on some mats and they just green screened the woods around her. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, it's really obvious that that was happening. <laughs> I... The, the moments that really catch me off guard and just make me smile in all of these movies are the moments that are um, genuinely funny, but were not in the book at all. Like uh, when they were standing up on the cliff and Bella was like, I need to get out of here because she didn't want to go eat the, the rock climber. And Edward was like, let me help you. And she just turned and jumped off the cliff. And he was like, or not. <laughs> No, it wasn't just the or not. It was he just had this smug look on his face. He was smirking. He was like, or not. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. It was the moments that you could tell it was just Rob and Kristen just being like stupid. It's so good. I had a note about when we were, when we started watching it, I was like, yeah, I just watched this interview the other day about Kristen Stewart talking about how wildly in love she and Rob were and how hard it was for them to portray this extremely like stunted and bland version of their relationship in these movies because they were just like so passionately in love with each other that like it just didn't feel real when they were being Edward and Bella. Imagine writing a love story where you end up with a couple, an actual couple playing the main couple in your love story, and they have to intentionally not infuse their passion into the acting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, there was one note that I forgot to make that I meant to make, which was in this movie, they definitely made it clear that the reason that Bella was just better at everything than everyone else was because she was a newborn. Yeah, the Mary Sue aspect was absent. They just didn't really talk about how much better she was at everything. They, like, let her be good at stuff, but, like, they didn't make a big deal out of it, and they didn't go, like, wow, this is so weird that it's, like, this. It was just, like, oh, because there was a part where she was getting ready to arm wrestle Emmett, and, or she was, like, mad at Emmett because of his dumb sex jokes, and Edward was, like, she's the strongest one in the family now, and Emmett was, like, no, and Bella and him went out and arm wrestled on a rock that (laughs) that Emmett carried out of the woods. Yes. And she beat him, obviously, but it wasn't as, like, cringy and weird as it was in the books. Because it was just regular arm wrestling, which is way funnier than, like, an actual wrestling match. Because you could see on his face as she started to win, and he was like, what? No! (laughs) Also, his sex jokes were far better in the movie. Well, yeah, because Stephanie Meyer doesn't know how to make a sex joke. They were very toned down, but, like... In a good way. 
Yeah, when in they, a lot more fitting. Yeah, when they walked in after their first night together, he was like, first of all, reading the newspaper. <laughs> Which, come on, Emmett, what are you reading? The funnies. Oh, he was probably reading the funnies. Um, but he looked up at them and he was like, done already? I don't know how to read. <laughs> but, uh... Edward made this comment during their sex scene when he was like, uh, cause Bella was like, Hey, we never get tired. Like we can just do this all the time. And Edward was like, Rosalie and Emmett were so insufferable that it took 10 years for any of us to want to be in the same room as them. And Bella was like, I think we'll beat them. Bitch, what? I don't think so. Um, considering you are living, because they were like, they, nobody wanted to live within a mile of them. But you are c- constantly existing within a mile of everybody else in the Cullen family, so. They actually put them 1.01 miles away. <laughs> yeah, but they're with the others all the time. It's not like they, like, are constantly fucking the whole time. Granted, they No, they, they are. They are actually just fucking in the middle of the living room, right, with everyone there oh, watching. Oh, no! <laughs> That's not good. Uh, so... The argument that Bella and... J- I remembered this note, because I just wrote, The fight! And then I wrote, uh, Movie versus Book Jacob. The argument that Bella and Jacob had in this one felt way better than in the book because in the book, Jacob felt really entitled and arrogant when he was talking to Bella about the fact that he imprinted on Renesme versus in the movie, Jacob was clearly like, look, you know, I didn't have a choice about this. I didn't want to do it either. He shows a lot more remorse throughout this movie and feels a lot weirder about it. He's, like, there, and he's, you know, nice to Nessie, because he obviously has no choice. But it's, um, it's it's better. He definitely is weirded out by it. The acting was, was very good in this movie. Yeah. You can tell that, uh... By this point, the younger actors have kind of matured to the point of being able to portray their roles better on yeah, screen. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the fight is great. Like, Kristen Stewart, her anger is very, very believable. Up until the you named my daughter. After the Loch Ness Monster. After the Loch Ness Monster What kills me about line. that is, like... <sighs> I get that it's a silly name, but it's also literally part of Renesmee's name. Her na- you, you gave her a stupid name, and part of her name is Ness. Do you mean Reynolds Rap? Reynolds Rap? Uh, Ryan Reynolds? Why would you name RuPaul's your daughter Drag Race? Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> it's just like, it's really, it always has ri- rubbed me the wrong way. And at some point, they start calling her Ness. And I liked that. Because it was like the filmmakers were actively acknowledging that that name was fucking stupid. And that they needed to have a shortened name to call her that wasn't... Because Bella refused to refer to her as Nessie until, like, the very end. Um, but... Ooh, speaking of Nessie... Um, Aggressively she, fake. Yes. Oh, the CGI on Renesmee was so bad 
they just like they because they wanted her to look like the actress that they had cast to play her like when she was like at her quote-unquote full-grown form like as full-grown as she gets at the end of the book but they like cgi'd this baby and then into a toddler and then you know later she was just her and it doesn't look like her. It just looks like a different child every single time. And you know what would be easier than CGIing that child every single time you have a new version of her? Hiring different children. No movie would ever do that. What? Why not? No movie would ever hire multiple actors to portray the same person at multiple different points in time. It, it, chapter two. No, doesn't happen. Just would never happen. Star Wars, episodes one, two, and three. No. <laughs> no. That was all the same guy. The kid, kid from Phantom Menace that played Anakin, same person. Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows, part two. Not to name I the turf movie, sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I actually don't know which one this is. What what reference this is to? It's uh, Lily, the mom. Hmm. They show her being young. They also show Snape being young. Oh. Yeah, no, they were just wearing lots of makeup. No, they weren't. It was It was them, younger. Television shows do it all the time as well. Okay, so what the point is here is <laughs> literally just do what anyone who films things normally does and, and just use multiple actors, guys. Yeah. It's like, it. it's not just that you they look different every single time. It's that they don't look like a real child. Like, the face is so obviously fake. It just doesn't look real. And so I would rather have an obviously different actress who looks like a real person than a poorly CGI'd child. Not to mention the fucking baby face that they had was horrifying. And I finally figured more... it out by the time they were done, and it was the eyebrows. <laughs> the baby had full adult eyebrows on its face. The face was way too, like, fully formed. I don't know why they didn't just use... Like, that more than any of the rest of it boggles my mind, because you can... You don't usually look exactly like the way you looked as a baby when you're, like, growing up, right? You grow out of the baby face. So I, I for the life of me, do not understand why they didn't just use the baby's regular face. It was only... It was for this. It was because they knew that years <laughs> after the movie was made there would still be people going on about this insane decision made regarding the baby. The other thing is, in the book, Renesmee is only supposed to be, like, like quote-unquote three years old around the time that the Voltori show up. Which, by the way, we've been saying Voltori wrong the entire time that we have been doing this series. Because it's not Volturi, it's Voltori. Even though they're Italian. Italian, and so it would probably make more sense for it to be Vulture. The question is, do we just tell Smyre she's wrong? No, I think we just say Voltori. Okay. 
But anyway, so she's only supposed to be, like, around three-ish years old when the Voltori arrive. But she's, like, a good, like, six, between six and eight years old in yeah. the movie. It's only been a few months. She'd be an adult within another few months. <laughs> yeah, the way that they're aging her, she would definitely, like... They say it takes, like, quote-unquote seven years for them to become full-grown, which, movie standards, he, he the, the other half-breed looked to be about, like, 20, 22-ish, but we know that in Stephanie Meyer's world, full-grown is 18. So, you know. Uh, let's talk about the scene where Jacob tried to seduce Charlie because oh, it was beautiful. Yes. So that scene was so fucking good. It was so funny. So so like Jacob goes out and Charlie's like chopping wood in the middle of the forest behind his house. Which, by the way, we were both sitting there like when Jacob started walking behind the house, I was like, is he gonna be in a garden? Is he gonna be tending to his bell peppers in the backyard? Jake just comes over, lifts his leg, pees on him. <laughs> he was not tending to the peppers in the backyard. Um, but he was, however, in the woods, chopping wood. And so Jake went out there and he just starts, he's like trying to explain it to Charlie and he's just starts stripping. And Charlie's like, what are you doing? And Jake's like, just trust me, weirder things happen all the time. He's literally pulling his underwear off <laughs> like pointedly pulling his underwear they made sure that you understood that he was pulling his underwear down and charlie's just like looking sidelong like eyes towards jacob eyes like, towards the woods like what is happening what are you doing it was so funny the actor who played Charlie, I when I remember when I first saw the first Twilight movie, I was like, that's not how I imagined Charlie. So much better than whatever the fuck they had going on with Charlie in the books. He's so good. I love the actor who played Charlie. I hope he is happy and living in bliss. Secret is it's actually Mark Wahlberg. No! <laughs> fuck, they're all secretly Mark Wahlberg. I forgot. <laughs> Um, I'm Marky Mark. <laughs> speaking of, of Charlie, when he goes to visit Bella and the Cullens, um, first of all, he shows up and he's like, you don't turn into an animal, do you? <laughs> and that had me laughing. Well, I am an animal. In bed. <laughs> but then you made a comment about the way that Charlie reacts to this whole, like, you can only know so much situation. Yeah, because in the books, it's the, he's like, I don't want to know. Which is kind of funny that he's, like, so adverse to understanding. Mm -hmm. um, but in the movie, he's like, I need to understand. I need you to tell me. And Bella's like, no, it's for your own good. It's for your safety. I can't tell you. And eventually she convinces him not to ask about it. But he wants to know still. He wants to understand what's happening. And while the book version is kind of funny, the movie version is actually better from a story tension standpoint. Yeah. It's it's better narratively to have that decision. It doesn't just, like, tie it up in a neat little bow, you know, because it solves the Charlie problem with no actual problem solving. It's just, like, 
oh, he comes over and he says he doesn't want to know because he just wants to meet his grandchild or whatever. And, you know, it's all solved and we can be in his life and it's everything is great. But in the movie, he's like, you like, come on, Bells, you have to tell me after everything that's happened, you have to give me this. And it's not until Bella is like, if I tell you, I, ha- I if you don't stop, I will leave. I'll be gone forever. And he's like, OK, OK, fine, because he doesn't want her to leave again, um, which I appreciate. I still to this day. And when Stephanie Meyer comes out with the sequel series about Jacob and Renesmee, if they have not turned Charlie into a vampire so that he can live his his happy life, I'll be upset. Although, he does have Sue. Sue. He does have Sue. But still. How long, until, how long until everybody on the reservation is either married to a vampire, fucking a vampire, or become a vampire? <laughs> or becomes a werewolf. Or becomes a werewolf. Um, I didn't have anything else written down until the Volturi actually arrive. They changed the document scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was so much better. So they took out the whole going to some weird place in the slums altogether. Didn't even have her go to the office. It was um, Jasper had already put in the order for her. And so she just met the guy for dinner to pick up the documents, which was much smarter because she didn't have to like sleuth her way through anything and let's be honest bella sleuthing is not not her best skill yeah and it Uh, it again it doesn't make any sense the way that they did it in the book so it's better the way that they did it in the movie so many times it's it comes right back down to that like it just doesn't seem like stephanie meyer revised ever yeah, it doesn't feel like she revised. It also doesn't feel like she ran it through a human filter. So, like, something that I do when I write is that I often, if not always, talk scenes out loud. Like, I will sit there and I will speak the words that my characters are saying so that I am sure that it sounds like something a human being would say. And I'm not just writing something that's in my head and I think it sounds cool, but like a, like a person just wouldn't say it. And half the dialogue in these books and thus in the movies just makes me think that Stephanie Meyer never ran it by anyone to be like, does this sound normal? (laughs) Like, does this sound like something a person would say? Is this how people talk? Yeah. Is this how, is this how people Stephanie Meyer is an alien. Stephanie Meyer is actually an alien. Close. She's a stay-at-home Mormon mom. <laughs> oh, mid-show shout out. <laughs> oh my god, speaking of shout-outs. No, should I wait till the end? Because we totally skipped over the fact that someone gave us a coffee donation. That's, that, that's what the mid-show shout-out is. <laughs> Mid-episode. We're doing it now. <laughs> so, lovely Des over on Coffee, who actually listens to us on Podbean, and uh, made a like a comment on one of our episodes about how Comic Sans was originally created to be better for people with dyslexia to read. 
though yeah Jen... i was just trying to help you read our notes when i was getting yeah you're really right. dramatic and then jen later piped up to be like hey there's actually been even more updated uh fonts and stuff that you can use for dyslexia uh the more you know, honestly. But Des went over onto our coffee and gave us a lovely little donation. And uh, she wrote that she actually recently came out of the closet as bisexual um, at the age of 28 years old to her conservative Mormon family. And that my story helped her. And I was like... I was literally crying. I was sobbing hysterically. I was like, I, I, I did good by existing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for uh, for everyone's who's questioning right now, what did Moth cry about this week? <laughs> it was this. It was this. This is what I cried about this week. Um, yeah. So that was. Thank you so much for the donation and for the message. It means a lot to me to know that like there are people out there who are listening and actually being helped because most of the time it feels like we're just sitting here talking random nonsense and that none of it means anything. I mean, to be fair, nothing means anything. We all are just going to cease to exist and evaporate into the void one day. <laughs> um, but yeah. So if you. Have any comments that you want to give us, I guess go over to Podbean and like pop in a comment or whatever. You can also email us. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. We should just shout out our email in the episode so that people can mess can like send us emails if they want to, like if they don't use Twitter and so they don't have a way of messaging us. Would you like to shout out what our email is? Our email is literarymasterspod at gmail.com. Yeah, spelled exactly how it sounds. Very exciting. Uh, we, we picked up the email for when we do our rebrand. And I'm... We're, we're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, moving on. Do you have anything else before we get to the Voltori scene? Uh, let's see, we had the change. Oh, the gifts. Oh, yeah! Bracelet. The bracelet Christmas gift from Jake. A lot less weird in the movie because they didn't give any context to it. It's just a bracelet he made for her. Yeah. Which is, like, a nice thing to do for your friend's child. Like, he, it was just a bracelet that he gave her. Which is nice because he previously gave Bella a bracelet. You know, it's it's cute. It's not creepy. Why did you have to make it creepy? I don't know. Stephanie Meyer, like, she just couldn't get over, like, every she really thought that after the whole conversation about Claire in, like, the previous book and in this book, that, like, everybody was just going to be like, okay, it's fine for them to fall in love with children. But luckily the filmmakers were like, no, it isn't. <laughs> the filmmakers were like, we're normal people. This is fucking weird. <laughs> so yeah, the Christmas scene was good. And Charlie, every time like he sees Renesmee, he's like, you grew so much. But he like doesn't ask any questions. <laughs> no she grows way more in the movie than she does in the book. Because she goes from being a literal infant when he first meets her to being like six or seven years old when... They have Christmas at his house. So, 
Yeah. Okay. What's funny is, like, Sue is, like, technically she knows about the werewolves, right? So she probably also knows about the vampires, right? Yeah. Like, definitely. This so follows. Yeah, so, like, she knows all this shit, but she just, like, can't tell Charlie about any of it. Oh, that's awkward. Poor guy. Everybody, everybody knows but him. Except for Renee, because Renee is just not allowed to know. I love how Renee just literally never shows up in this book. Yep. After their wedding, she's just, like, gone. She's just gone. They never speak to her again. And she's barely brought up, except for Bella just being like, Renee couldn't handle this. Like, it's... It's amazing. It, it feels like Hi, even Smire husband? was like, yeah, this oh is done. Oh my god. <laughs> you got mail. I did get mail. Thank you. My husband just came in to deliver my mail. And now he's trying to get the cat from around me. You're calling me your husband. He delivered yeah, himself you're, to you? Yeah, you are my husband. Normally I'm just the bitch. <laughs> Shut up! Get out of here! Go of the stuffed animal. Okay. Can I... Thank you. Can I have my, my, my recording time, please? Yeah, I was just giving you your mail. Okay, thank I was, you. I was going to just silently leave it there, but then you made a comment about it. Well, yeah. God, what a bitch. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can you leave? Please stop just opening and closing the door. If the sound quality there was a little confusing, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, the bitch was being annoying. Uh... <laughs> screaming at me because of what I said or if you oh okay he said yes <laughs> I don't know maybe something else that I did <laughs> did you delete all 500 gigabytes of call of duty <laughs> it's 250 gigabytes of call of duty thank you very much <laughs> And no, I did not delete his, uh, I did not delete Call of Duty off of his PlayStation, no matter how angry it makes me, how big it is. Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, bracelet scene, and there's, uh, all the vampires getting together. Um. Oh, yeah, there were, there were several changes to that. Yeah, we, we got to see them going to collect some of the vampirinos this time. Yeah. Also, Ed and Bella and Jake and Renesmee all went to the Denali's. Yeah, to get and them. To, which is weird change, but I mean, it, it didn't like... It was one of those changes where it didn't really hurt anything and it didn't help anything. It was yeah. just like, oh, why'd you change that? The, my favorite, one of my favorite parts of this movie was every time because they had so many fucking people in this movie, right? Like there were so many characters that it, there were so many actors that I was just like, oh my god, it's that person! Holy shit, it's that person! Oh my god! <laughs> is is that Bohemian Rhapsody? <laughs> <laughs> you mean Robbie Malik? <laughs> 
Rami Malik, who uh, famously played uh, Freddie Mercury. No, Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody was Who in this movie. The fuck is Freddie Mercury? He, he was uh, he, he played Benjamin, and the scene where they went and and got a moon and 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 Benjamin and Tia and and Kibi is that the other one's name? I do something not like that. When they go and get them, was actually pretty good because they showed like Rami Malek like water bending and stuff. It was pretty cool, and he's great. So like that, any scene that he was in was so good. Uh, and then we got to see them going to get the um, like the vagabonds and stuff. And uh, <laughs> when Rosalie and Emmett went to go get Garrett, he was like attacking someone and they were like hey come on we need you and then garrett was like hold on let me finish my meal and he went and like chased the guy down ate him and the dude i love the the uh he was a he was like a british singer that had been singing at a like nearby bar yes and so garrett just attacked him as like uh i hated the first british invasion (laughs) (laughs) so good Oh my god. I actually liked it. It felt kind of like a heist movie almost. Like they yeah. were just going around and like recruiting all of their friends and stuff. It was pretty good. I liked it. And then they had uh uh Alistair or Al- Alistair. Alistair. Yeah, he showed up and just like jumped up into the attic. But they him leaving was actually a lot better in the movie. Yeah. Because he left when he found Bella uh making the bug out bag for Renesme and Jacob and was like, Oh, you actually don't have any help. I'm not fucking snacking around for this. Yeah. Bye. He didn't just like randomly leave for no reason. And then like, he didn't just like disappear with no pretense. Like he actually was there and he was observing everything that was going on. And then he like came in and he saw Bella making the bag and he was like, Oh, well, <laughs> Nah, fam. No. I gotta say, the weirdest part. So, at the beginning of the movie, because of the lack of the blue filter, most of the cast actually looked like normal people for Mm -hmm. the first time in the series, which was great. Yes. But by the end of the movie, they made some, like, crazy-ass choices with the vampires and made a bunch of them look really weird in this movie yeah and i don't know why because the vampires are supposed to be unusually attractive for the most part the only thing i can think is because and i'm not gonna try to give the filmmakers too much credit here but bella does make the comment that like everybody looks less overtly attractive now that she's a vampire because she can see all of their flaws and she can see past because they even say that like them all being like really hot is like a part of them being predators. Still didn't get to see Jasper covered in stars and I'm disappointed. By yeah, that, that was actually one of the parts of the book that I really appreciated because like he, you know, is a he's a war criminal. <laughs> he's a war criminal. So do you think that Garrett ever like flexes on him? Being like, I was on the right side of my war. Wow, how does it feel to be a fucking piece of shit, Jasper? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I liked the changes that they made with, like, the vampire recruitment because it felt more real. 
Um, the scene where Bella gets the documents and she sees that it's only Jacob and Renezme that like have documents. She like is upset that it's only theirs. Like she thought it was going to like, she, it, which, which is a little odd because the fact that like Jasper and Alice, like just chose to only have documents made for Jacob and Renezme is a little weird. Because it was Bella's choice in the book to make the documents for Jacob and Renesme because she knew that she could part with them, but she was never going to be able to walk away from Edward if Edward was going to die. Like, she was going to die with him. only assume that it's due to Alice's vision. Yeah. And that, so she, that's why she's upset about it as well. But also just ends up accepting it is because she's like, eh, it must be Alice's vision. There's nothing I can do. The problem is she, Alice can't see Jacob and she also can only barely see Renesme. Mm. Oh, but she can see around them. So she might have seen that everybody else stayed, meaning that they Jacob had to be the one that took her. This gives me all new fucking questions about the scene that we're about to talk about. Now that I'm thinking about Alice's visions and the way that they work concerning the werewolves. Oh. <laughs> oh. So anyway, let's let's get back to the Volturi. When the uh, the Volturi. The Volturi so when the Volturi arrive and they have like that whole tense like standoff scene while they're like trying to figure everything out, when Aro sees Aro. Aro, by the way, Aro, not Arrow, Aro, um, when he, like, sees Renesme and she, like, does her little vision thing, <laughs> he literally goes, ah! <laughs> <clears throat> he cackles like a young girl, and, like, it's so off-putting and weird. Like, he, that man... Fucking went all in on this role. He did not take any <laughs> I couldn't even hear whatever it was you just did. That's too much for your microphone. My falsetto is just that amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. Just you so... all wait until I can start talking in girl voice. <laughs> so I loved Marcus... And Caius and Aro, because Aro was fucking weird. Uh, Caius was obviously very angry and edgy. And Marcus was just old, tired, and bored. He was perfect. Um, Why am I here? He was the Eeyore. He was the Eeyore. He was the Eeyore. Um, But then, of course, the, the big thing that happens in this movie happens uh the big change that they had from the book which was alice shows aro a vision of their fight and we get to see it without the context of it being alice's vision she takes his hand she gets to see like his decisions and stuff and then she makes the comment like you're never going to back down no matter what the truth is even when you see the the truth, you like you're you won't change your mind. And then so Renesmee and Jacob run to escape, and then the big fight breaks out because he 
Alice fucking kicks Arrow, Arrow, through the air. And then Carlisle tries to get after Alice when the guard, like, captures her. And Arrow decapitates Carlisle. And then there's a big fight. And basically, the Volturi get their ass smashed in. Yeah. There's... But not without the Cullens substantially losing. Yeah, there's heavy casualties on the Cullen side, but they don't lose. Like, Jasper dies, and then several wolves die, um, uh, including Seth. Leah and Seth. And, um, but Alice gets to Jane and she like grabs onto her and then she just throws her at Sam and Sam just destroys her. And it's so good because it's obvious that Jane doesn't actually know how to fight. And with Bella, like protecting everybody with her shield, Jane is just like, Oh, I can't do anything. So Alice like grabs her and just like grabs her by the neck and just throws her into Sam's mouth. The only word she says in the movie is pain. Yeah. That is her only spoken line. Oh my god, I didn't even realize that. That's so weird. It's odd that she says pain. I get that, like, they're trying to, like, have some kind of, like, actual indicator that she's using her power, but it's it's odd. It's weird. Dimitri yeah. gets destroyed. Um, then Marcus just lets himself get taken out. Yeah, and he says Finally. Yeah, he's like, oh, finally. And they just, like, kill him, and he looks, like, so at peace. Caius gets taken out by the Denali. Priceless. Um, and then Bella and Edward tag team Aro, and they kill him. And so, like, the last thing you see in the fight is Aro, like, is Bella lowering a um, torch into Aro's face because then he, like, snaps out of it, and you see that it was a vision the whole time. My question, now that we have reminded ourselves about the rules of Alice's visions. Is how the fuck did she see all the wolves fighting? How did she see that whole... She, like, in theory, shouldn't have been able to see the fight at all because it was, like, so interwoven with the wolves. Like, Bella's entire future disappeared anytime she just wanted to go down and see Jacob. Okay. Theory. Theory time. Okay. The only way this works is if the entire vision was fake. <gasps> yes! Yes! The only way to stop the Volturi was to make them think that they were all going to die. Yes. And so she just faked a vision and transferred that thought to him. I love that thought. I want to see if... I'm going to look up, because I'm sure there's a Twilight Wiki... Um, I want to look up and see if people are technically capable of lying in their thoughts to Aro. Because Aro can just see everything that you've ever thought. But if Alice had spent a lot of time fabricating that entire fight, then she might have been able to do it. However, well, I guess she would have been able... I was going to say, I don't know how she would know all of the people who would go and fight with the Cullens. But... If she, she could have seen all of the vampires choosing to go and fight with them, because yeah. that doesn't involve the werewolves. Let me let me look at I'm on the I'm on the Twilight Wiki, of course. Um, powers and abilities. Uh, okay, Aro. I <laughs> know. 
Aro possesses the gift of tactile telepathy and ability to read people's minds. He can read far more deeply into a person's mind than Edward because he is capable of reading every thought, feeling, and memory a person has ever had in the past. This power works very effectively in gathering information. Blah, blah, blah. It doesn't say anything about people being able to lie in their thoughts. And since Alice, in theory, is very smart and would have thought this over a lot, I'm willing to believe in that theory that the vision was fake. That's the only way for it to not be a plot Because hole. the Volturi don't know that Alice can't see the wolves. Technically speaking, he can access every thought she's ever had. But how carefully he's investigating each one of those thoughts is, you know, he's looking for certain things, you know? It's yeah. not like he's like... You went to this restaurant 20 years ago? Oh my god. Yeah, I, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt that she could have pulled this off because it at least avoids a glaring plot hole. Yeah, like a really obvious plot hole. But that's not a plot hole that was presented in the books because she doesn't... That's not what she shows him in the book. Yeah, she it's just... a movie plot hole. Yeah, it's a purely movie plot hole. That said having the fight scene in the movie was much better than it had it yeah. just gone the way the book went. It was pretty good. It wasn't the best action sequence they've ever had in the in this series. I think Eclipse had the best action out of all the movies. Um but it was really it was good. I liked being able to see the vampires actually fight. Like we've literally been watching these movies or reading these books all the way up to this point and we haven't seen like a real vampire fight. Because the avatar opened a chasm yes. into magma. Oh, yeah, there's magma underneath, which like in the book, he opens up a crack in the earth, but it's not that deep. It's just like a visible crack in the earth. Do you know how deep you would have to open a crack to magma? Roughly like how big, how deep is the crust? Like 25 miles or something like that. It's very yeah. deep. It's very deep. <laughs> like Unless it, they just happened to be over, like, yeah, like they were, a volcanic line. Yeah, they were just happened to be over, like, <laughs> that's so funny. Because, like, if you, so in theory, if he opened it all the way through the crust, 25 miles deep, the thing was only, like, 10 feet wide. You wouldn't be able to see the magma <laughs> 25 miles away. <laughs> It was very silly, but it was a movie, so I'm willing to let it go. Um, yeah, Benjamin was great. I loved Benjamin. Every time he was on screen, he was fantastic. But Rami Malek is amazing. That's what the, the, these movies managed to bag such like fantastic actors. So it's like you man, you just like see like Kellen Lutz is so fucking funny. So like every time Emmett is on screen, how do you not laugh at everything he does? Okay, the bag of eggs. The bag of eggs. Go on. What were they for? <laughs> we went because over this. I thought I, I feel like I remember you saying they're for eating. Yeah, but I he think he was eat. just eating. Yeah, but he doesn't eat. I think he eats them at one point. I think he eats one of the eggs. But he doesn't eat. They don't eat human food. 
Okay, Emmett, bag of eggs. It's one of the autofills. Emmett from Twilight carrying around a bag of eggs. This TikTok pointed out that Emmett from Twilight carried around a bag of eggs and no one noticed. Welcome to BuzzFeed. Emmett was just carrying around a bag of nothing but hard-boiled eggs and I didn't notice for 12 years. And of course, there's this legendary photo of, of uh, Kellen Lutz standing behind this pillar. With the bag of eggs. With the bag of his, eggs. Yeah. That he just has. I feel like Kellen Lutz just had them on him and he was just eating them. But Emmett, why does Emmett I have don't the bag know. of I eggs? I feel like Kellen Lutz just didn't give a shit. And so he just carried around the bag of eggs because he just wanted it. It's not for eating. It's not for sex. The article is just stupid. It's okay, so I saw, uh, basically... <laughs> Let's see, there's a Reddit thread. Okay, so I saw this and I thought I'd share it. Basically, Emmett in the movie carried around a bag of eggs? <laughs> Did anyone else notice this? It's super weird and I can't find an explanation. The, the top comment is I've noticed before and I haven't found an answer, but I want to know. Like, who made that choice? I like I'm a hundred percent willing to bet that Kellen Lutz just carried a, ba a bag of eggs onto set with him from like craft services. That's some okay. Speaking as somebody who's been in theater and been on stage, that is some shit an actor will do just to do it. Yeah. That is like, they would just be like, I wonder if the director will notice if I do this. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I I just like, it's, it, uh, the eggs. I don't see any like actual evidence of why he carried around the bag of eggs. It doesn't say, um, but you know, I think it's just Kellen Lutz being a troll and just carrying a bag of eggs. But it's in there now. Yes. So why does Emmett have the bag of eggs? I don't know, Emmy. We talked about this. We have two episodes. One of them is titled, What Do You Think the Eggs Are For? And the next one is titled, That's What the Eggs Are For. Okay, go back and listen to those episodes and you tell me what the eggs are for. I think I we decided like they were for sex. I feel like this is going to be what keeps me up at night 20 years from now. I'm just going to get a text one day. You're like dying. It's like, hey, Sarah, um, Emmy's on her deathbed and she just whispered, why did Emmett have those eggs? Do you know what that means? And I'm going to have to be like, no, to preserve the sanity of your loved ones. I'm going to have to say no. I don't know what it is. She's gone insane. Pretty sure would know why I was asking about the bag of eggs. <laughs> oh my god. The ending was abrupt as it was in the book. They all just go back and everything's fine. Oh, d d Jacob looks at Edward and he's like, so do I start calling you dad now? <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> that part made me laugh. It was so good. Because Edward was oh like, boy. no, absolutely not. <laughs> uh -huh. 
The ending yeah, was a was non-ending, a just like it was in the book. And uh, they just like sit in the meadow, and she shows him all her memories, and I cried. I cried. Sarah cried. I cried a lot. Because um, this is a very formative I, part of my life. I basically had to force them out of the movie. Yes. I I was just watching it. because they So they did a montage at the end where they showed the cast from, like, every single movie. And they just, like, you know, had their names and who they played. And, like, they included both of the actresses who played Victoria and stuff like that. It was It was sweet. I liked it. Technically, the girl, like, Leah and Seth were in this movie, but you only see them for, like, a second at the Christmas scene, which sucks. Like, I hate that Stephanie Meyer created these two characters who were so good, and then they just, like, weren't important anymore once Bella had her baby and Jacob was in love with it. We don't matter. No. I hope they go on and have a normal, happy life. I hope Leah falls in love with Jacob. And Jacob's too obsessed with the baby. Why do you hope that? I don't hope that, but that just seems like her luck. Yeah, right? I feel like she was, because she knows now that he's, like, imprinted on Renesmee, and she wasn't in love with him before, that would never happen. She's too smart for that. I hope Leah falls in love with a woman. I do, too. Get you a good girl. Yes. All right, well, um, oh, in the fight scene, when people are falling into the fucking crag that Benjamin opened into the earth, there is a Wilhelm scream. Someone just goes, ah, and falls in. If you are unfamiliar with the sound of a Wilhelm scream, you know what, maybe I'll superimpose it into this part of the episode so that you can hear what the Wilhelm scream is and just be like, that was in the movie, that was in the movie. Sarah has learned editing techniques, mainly splicing in audio. Yes. Uh, thanks to our egregious conversation. That we had to have last time in which I had to do a lot of sensor beeps. Yeah. On that note, um, let me inform you that apparently in order to, and I quote, protect Mackenzie Fay on set. Oh, the, the little girl? The, yeah, the girl that played Renesmee. Bill Condon set up a swear jar, and any time somebody cussed around her, they had to put money in the jar, and everything was donated to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And, like, on the one hand, I'm like, okay, it's, like, cool that you're donating to a children's hospital. But on the other hand, I'm just like, the fact that you feel the need to protect a child from cuss words yeah. is just You can swear around a child. It's fine. I would say look at your brother and how he <laughs> turned out with us swearing around him all the time. Fuck it. Look at me. My parents used to get a kick out of just letting me cuss for a little bit as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's fine. So, it's You can swear. They're just words. You can swear around a child. And I don't want to be like, oh, they're just words. Not every word is just a word. But cuss words are definitely just a word. Shit sorry, ass fuck. fuck. See? Fuck is fine. This is why we don't have sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is why we don't have sponsors. Um, Emmy. We finished all the books. We finished all the movies. I want you to tell me 
your favorite book and your least favorite book, your favorite movie and your least favorite movie, your favorite character and your least favorite character. Oh, God. Okay. And you can differentiate um, between book and movie versions of characters. Favorite book. Oh, God. See, that's hard to say. Eclipse. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not good. It's not a good book. Yeah. It's just the best one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, least favorite is. Oh, God. <laughs> that's a hard time. It's a hard between... one. It's a hard tie between New Moon and Breaking Dawn, and for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, Bella's just insufferable in New Moon, and it's painful to read, but Breaking Dawn is... The hard thing about Breaking Dawn is, like, it's not just bad for the normal bad Twilight reasons. It's bad because it makes no fucking sense for half of it. It's just nonsense, conglomerate garbage that is just, like, I don't understand how to even, like, critique this book because it's so stupid and comes out of left field and doesn't make any sense. The rest of the books, at least I can, like, criticize them for, like, the dumb things that the characters say and think. But, like, this one is, like, it's so off the rails. I don't understand. It's like comparing Jaws to Sharknado. (laughs) Oh, God. I just read Birdemic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think I hear a mountain lion. (laughs) Okay. Um... Eclipse is the favorite movie as well. Yeah. With Breaking Dawn actually being a close second in terms of movies. Yeah. Uh, New Moon is my le- least favorite movie. Really? I no, actually, I agree. New Moon I agree because, like, I there's so much charm to the original Twilight movie that, like, I don't think I can hate it. There's just, like, so much... I miss how weird and dorky that first movie was. Catherine Hardwick just knew what the fuck she was doing. She understood the assignment, but the assignment just did not understand her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Favorite character? Um... Oh, Movie Alice. Because Alice never really gets bad in the movies. Yeah. No kidnapping. No gaslighting. Um, least favorite character would book Eclipse Jacob. Yes! <laughs> God. Okay. Um, okay. I'm going to say this as well. My favorite book is Eclipse. Um, followed closely, closely by like the, f- the first, not even the first half when after Bella, first like three quarters of new moon. Yeah. First three quarters of new moon, but like excluding the first like three chapters. But like when Bella is just hanging out with Jacob and they're just like doing fun shit all the time. That's, that's pretty good. But Eclipse is still better excluding the first few chapters as well, <laughs> because once Edward shapes up, it just gets a lot better. Um, least favorite book, Breaking Dawn, tied very closely with the last quarter of New Moon. 
It's just like the what kills me about New Moon, and I know I've said this before, but like, so the last quarter of New Moon is like exactly what the entirety of Breaking Dawn is. It's just shit out of nowhere. That doesn't make any sense. The Volturi plot at the end of New Moon comes so the so the far fuck out of nowhere that I literally like am so disappointed that that is the way that that book went. Oh my god, I know how Breaking Dawn in the in the last bit of New Moon happened. So Smyre heard about how Stephen King wrote books for a while and was like, I can do that too. And just snorted an exorbitant amount of cocaine. Yeah, she did it once for the last <laughs> quarter of New Moon was like, that was bad. I can't do that again. So then she wrote Eclipse, but then she was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do that again. <laughs> and that was the entirety of Breaking Dawn. Yeah. It was her. She wrote it all in one sitting, no revisions, just high off her mind on cocaine. She, she read Jordan Belfort's book. Pre, this is pre-Wolf of Wall Street, so unfortunately she couldn't have just taken advice from the movie, but she did read his book, and she was like, Mountains of Cocaine? Sign me up. <laughs> Mormon housewife's gone wild. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, favorite movie? Eclipse. Definitely Eclipse. They, like, the, all of the things that I didn't like about Eclipse, they took out and fixed. So the movie was so much better. Um, but movie Jacob actually like makes new moon a little bit better because movie Jacob is just so like Taylor Lautner plays that character really well. I really liked him. Uh, favorite character. Oh, my least favorite movie, movie? least favorite movie. It's hard. I okay, think so New Moon because it's less memorable. I was going to say, here's a specification because I didn't think of this when I said Breaking Dawn. I specifically oh, yeah. meant that Breaking Dawn Part 2 was a close runner-up to Eclipse in terms of favorite movies. But Breaking Dawn Part 1 is nowhere close. Breaking Dawn Part 1 is probably my least favorite. Honestly. it's Because it's just like, it's the most boring parts of the book. They adapted less than half of the book into the first movie and then way more than half of the book into the second movie. However, I do not disagree with the way they split up the movies because there's no other point for you to split up that movie. Except for maybe if you split it up as like the first movie leads up to when Alice leaves and then the second movie is everything after that, which I think might have also been good because it builds up a lot of tension. However, I don't, I think that the way that they did it was honestly better. Yeah, and I think that's I, probably they, what Stephanie Meyer intended when she was writing the book, too. They made the best choice they could with what they were given. And honestly, that's a lot of the movies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I think Breaking Dawn Part 1 is probably my least favorite. Just because, like I said, it's the most boring parts of that book. Um, but you do get to see a lot of the movie from Jacob's point of view. And I liked that. I thought it was good. Um, favorite character is Emmett. Every single version of Emmett. He's Just great. Emmett all the time, every day. He's like, the best part is he's like, he's the only character in like the whole series, aside from Esme, because she's basically nothing. She's the only one who's not, I mean, Emmett is the only one who's not like problematic. 
Like, let's think about yeah, the... He never does anything to, like, like, be a problem. He makes gross sex jokes, but, like, that that's part of the himbo charm. Okay? He's a himbo. He doesn't know any better. He doesn't know any better. He's the only one who isn't, like, specifically bad in some way. Like, Rosalie is fucking pro-life. <laughs> Sorry, Rosalie... Uh, this, this just in, uh, fuck pro-life. <laughs> Rosalie is a horrid bitch for most of the series, is nice during Eclipse, and then is, again, a horrid bitch. Just not specifically to Bella. Uh, Alice? Fucking don't talk to me about Alice. Movie Alice is fine, but book Alice, not so much. Movie Alice still abandoned Bella in New Moon. Facts. Um, Edward? Ew. Jacob? Ew. Carlisle is a billionaire. Ew. Uh, <laughs> Renee. Ew. Movie Charlie. Better. He doesn't encourage Jacob, but he doesn't necessarily shoot him down versus book Jacob versus book Charlie, who actually encourages Jacob. Um, yeah. Emmett is the only Rev- character in the entire series who is unproblematic. Leah. Revised favorite character. Seth. Seth is also unproblematic. Leah. Leah, yeah. Leah is really great, except for the fact that she views herself as a monster because she can't have babies. But that's not her fault. I view this as a problem with the author. Yeah, I was going to say, that's more of a writer problem. It's just, you know, it's, it, she's the one who's purveying the message. Least favorite character? Book Eclipse Jacob. He's so fucking awful. He's so awful. In the movie, he shapes up and he understands he kisses her and it's brief and she pushes him away and she punches him and then later he says that he was an ass and shouldn't have done what he did and then in the scene where he's like i'm gonna go and i'm gonna fight or whatever it's less bad it's still bad but it's less bad and then they kiss and taylor lautner is just a very sweet boy He's just a piece of shit in the book. He's just a horrid piece of shit in the book. He never redeems himself. After that kiss, it never gets better. No, even in Breaking Dawn, it never gets better. Yeah, because... He's just so indignant about his falling in love with a baby. Yeah. At least in the movies, they made it out to be, like, him being, like, uh, grossed out by it in some way. I wish I could say we were done with this. We're not done with this. Starting we're next week, we'll be this. reading Midnight Sun. Do you have a copy of it yet? No, I still need to get a copy. <laughs> I've had a copy since we started the series because I got all of my books at the same time. So I hope you're ready for the big pomegranate book in the sky. I'm going to have to like take that cover, the slip cover off because the fuck, the image just disgusts me. Oh, yeah. Emmy doesn't, doesn't like pomegranates. I love pomegranates. I think they are gross and beautiful at the same time. I can't stand looking at them. I'm very excited. So I have that thing where I can't stand looking at things that have that are full of holes. Trypophobia. I remember, yeah, I can't do that. That's nope. Well, I think that's it. I'm Emmy. I'm Sarah. Follow us on Twitter at 2020 Twilight Pod. M is at M of many names. I am at Sarah S. Wilton. Shoot us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash 2020 Twilight Pod. Uh, email us at literary moths. Literary moths. Literary moths. 
that should be my new Twitter handle. <laughs> it's literally That should mom. be your new Twitter handle. Um, uh, shoot us an email at uh, literarymasterspod at gmail.com. Uh, at some point, our Twitter handle and our coffee thing is going to change. So it won't be 2020 Twilight Pod anymore. It'll be Literary Masters Pod. Um, it hasn't changed yet, but I'm just letting everybody know ahead of time with ample warning so that nobody is confused. But uh, yeah, shoot us, like, hit us up on Twitter. Please email us if you don't have Twitter and don't want to get on Twitter, but you just want to, like, talk to us or whatever. We read every single message that we get, and we appreciate all of them, and they make our day so much better and exciting and happy when we see them. Sarah, <clears throat> Sarah's pretty on top of the Twitter, and I'm pretty on top of the email. So anything that ends up going to the email is generally I find it and then send it to her to sarah yes and anything on twitter she's the one that finds i finally logged into the email on my phone so i will see it if you send it but it did take a very long time um but yeah that's that's about it are, are you done i'm so fucking <laughs> see you next week for midnight sun part one bye bye